At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Philadelphia City Cast with Ryan Rothstein, presented by Bet Rivers. All right, welcome back, Philadelphia City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein, and I'm excited for this episode because we have a legend who covers the Philadelphia sports scene here. Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Inquirer is going to give us a few minutes of his time to talk. Phillies, Joe Girardi, Bryce Harper, the road trip that they just came off of, um, winning three or four in L.A. against the Dodgers. We'll get all of his thoughts as it relates to the Philadelphia Phillies. Also, we'll uh, talk some hoops and talk about the other coach in town, not just Joe Girardi. We'll also get Marcus Marcus's insight on Doc Rivers and the job that he did, his future here in Philadelphia. We'll talk Joel Embiid. We'll talk offseason. Should they add a third star? Will they add a third star? What has Marcus heard? Maybe he can give us a little bit of a uh, inside info tidbit here. Breaking news. Did you hear it here first? We'll have to find out. Uh, so enough of me talking. Let's get to this conversation with Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Follow him on Twitter at Inc. Stained Wretch. He is the man, and he's about to drop some knowledge on us here on this episode. So, hope you guys enjoy it. Before I get to Marcus, you know, it's basketball playoff time, but it's also hockey playoff time, and things are heating up on the ice. Bet Rivers has a special offer through the entire NHL playoffs. Throughout the playoffs, Place three same-game parlays of $10 or more on each round and receive a $10 free bet at the conclusion of each round. 
Just think of it as a betting hat trick. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Create your ideal combo with same game parlays on the Bet Rivers app or at betrivers.com. It's presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Marcus Hayes next. All right, so let's get into it now with uh, the man, the myth, the legend. And there's no myth about him, uh, but he certainly is a legend. Marcus Hayes, Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, and Sports Radio 94 WIP. You can hear him uh, on every show, either as a guest or uh, as a, a guest co-host, whatever it may be. Marcus, I appreciate your time. I We have a lot to get to, so let's uh, have some fun here. Absolutely. Yeah, the myth part always confused me. Like, uh, it was uh, like, who came up with that? That was a. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're like the man, if you're the legend, right. how are you a myth? Right. It's impossible. It's, it's yeah. So sense. Yeah, that's stupid. Uh, all right. Well, the Phillies and Joe Girardi, they were looking stupid for a while, and now, uh, you know, you get this a lot in baseball. Uh, from baseball fans and from, you know, maybe the glass half fullers. Well, it's early, you know, it's only May. Uh, but when they do well, there's reason for hope and optimism. But I don't know what to take from the Phillies winning three or four out in L.A. What do you take from it? There's still obviously glaring issues in the bullpen uh, yet better than the previous two seasons, Marcus. Uh, certainly nothing to, uh, you know, be giving a standing ovation towards. So what's your thoughts after three of four in LA? Well, in, in five of seven overall, yes. course, you know, Seattle's not a terrible team and going out West and winning is always difficult for, for East coast teams. who are playing, you know, at you know, one or two o'clock in the morning, finishing games, their body clocks are telling them it's time to be in bed. Yeah. It's, I was astonished. I thought they might win two out of five and, and they flipped it on me. They won five out of seven. Or I'm um, two out of seven. They won five out of seven, and uh, you know they're just gonna—they're going to go as far as their bats take them. And when they're bashing, that's all that kind of matters. And mm -hmm. it begins and ends with you know the viability of Bryce Harper, who you know is more than just a straw that stirs the drink. You know he's the—he's uh, kind of the emblem, like Joel Embiid is the emblem of the Sixers. He's kind of the emblem of the Phillies, whatever he brings you, that's what you have. And whatever you whatever else you need, they really haven't really haven't addressed. You know, they they still have bullpen issues. They're a bad defensive team. And quite frankly, where would they be right now without Alec Bohm? Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, Bohm is hitting have I don't know exactly over three hundred. I don't know the exact number. I know it's over three hundred, I should say. Um and his name has come up, obviously, as well as Hoskins for a potential name to trade for a legitimate arm, whether that's a starting pitcher or a legitimate bullpen arm. Uh, I guess we shall see. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, do you think that's an ideal move that the Phillies should make uh, once we get closer to the trade deadline? We'll have maybe a little bit better of an understanding of what this team can be come come the fall. Well, you only trade Hoskins if you believe that you can't afford him in the future because if you look at what he's done as a, a young hitter, I think this is his um, second year of arbitration, he's a bargain. You know, even when he, even despite his slumps, he's, he's a kind of hitter and power hitter that, you know, two years from now they're going to be trying to re-sign 
You know what I'm saying? The three years. Mm-hmm. So, and he's relatively young. He's probably got seven or eight more good years. Um, so no, I don't, I don't have any faith in this team. I don't believe that they're going to hit well in the postseason. I think they strike out too much. They don't hit situationally very well. When they hit home runs, they're good. When they don't, they're not. And they don't play good defense. And their starting rotation is okay. You know, it's pretty good. And their bullpen is flawed. So they have way too many flaws for me to to trade a significant piece like Reese Hoskins or, you know, like Reese Hoskins light Alec Bohm over on the other corner. So their value to me going down the line is much greater you you can fix the bullpen in the offseason. You you can't you can't reacquire a Reese Hoskins at the price he's going to command or an Alec Bohm at the price he's going to command. Um, unless you just don't have faith that you, you will ever sign Reese Hoskins to a long term deal, or you don't have faith that Alec Bohm is is for real. Is Joe Girardi the right man for this job? I th- I never thought he was the right man for this job in this town. Um, he was always a he won with a lot of talent in a, in a high profile job but he also failed with a lot of talent in a high profile job and that's the thing that always you know cautions me when you when you're when you're trying to replace you know this was a John Middleton vanity hire Joe Girardi was not the best candidate you know you could argue that Dusty Wathen was a better candidate the the you know the the AAA um the AAA manager who became the third base coach and remains a third base coach. You could argue that Rob Thompson, the bench coach right now, is a, is a, was a better hire. Um, but, you know, that's what John Middleton does. He sees shiny toys and he goes and buys them. You know, when you, your first line there, uh, when I ask you if Joe Girardi's right for the job, you could really just copy and paste that. I can edit that uh, if if I give you the same question for one Glenn Rivers, Marcus. <laughs> so I actually transition think, here. I actually yeah. think Doc's done a very, very good job. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's horrible at defending himself, and he needs to uh, control his temper. But, you know, the, the, the line, nobody expected us to do anything, is absurd. But if you subtract that line and you just talk about Doc saying, I've done a, a you know, uh, I can't remember, I do a great job. He has done a great job. He took a team that was the, you know, probably going to be a three or four seed last season and made him a number one seed. And, you know, I don't know that you can blame him for Ben Simmons being the kind of anchor around the neck that he turned in turned out to be. He inherited Ben Simmons and he did he did literally everything he could and defended Ben Simmons at every turn. Maybe that wasn't the right strategy. You know, maybe mm-hmm. moving Ben Simmons off the ball would have been better last year. But you know, then this year he comes into a situation with no Ben Simmons. So a $33 million hole on his roster, a guy who's going to play more minutes than anybody else and an elite perimeter defender and never knows if he's going to have him day to day. And at the trade deadline, he exchanges, he, t- he, he acquires a, you know, generationally odd player in James Harden and he wins a playoff round. So I think as a coach, he did a very good job. But representing that, you know, he diminishes himself when he allows himself to get angry at you and I for asking questions that mm-hmm. are valid and every that every fan wants to know. So when Doc Rivers says you don't know basketball, he's not just talking to you or you and me. He's talking to the people who pay his salary. And in Philadelphia, those people get angry when that happens. Um, but, yeah, I thought Doc was a much better hire than uh, than Joe Girardi, despite his playoff shortcomings. 
And I will forgive Doc's shortcomings much more so than I will forgive uh, Girardi's shortcomings because we're living in an era where, you know, essentially two players win, LeBron and Steph. And he, they weren't on his team. And, you know, Chris Paul has failed everywhere else he's been. Chris Paul, who I think is the greatest point guard since Isaiah Thomas, he's failed everywhere else he's been as well. He's not, you know, he's not that kind of player. He's not the kind of player that can will your team to a win. And he was the best player on those L.A. teams for Doc. So, you know, and he did win. You know, he won with the first super team. So I think Doc was a better hire. Was he the perfect hire? Maybe not. But um, I don't think he was as much a vanity hire as, uh, as Joe Girardi who'd been out of baseball. Yeah, true. Um, you know, when when you talk about Rivers and how he has responded to the media uh, in some of his infamous post-game pressers, you know, I, I wasn't watching every post-game presser when he was in Boston or, you know, heck, even when he was the head coach out in L.A. for the Clippers, but it just doesn't feel like to me he was always that impatient or short-tempered, for lack of a better way to describe uh, him at you know multiple different times uh, so far in his Sixers tenure. Uh, do you think he's just keeping a finger on the pulse in the city and he's reading headlines and listening to WIP, or is he just uh, a little bit older, wiser, and a little bit uh, you know in, more impatient with the BS? Like, what what do you think it is, Marcus, or what do you know it could be uh, attributed to? Well, there are a few things. For one thing, he's older and he's very, very accomplished. And I think he believes, and I believe this to be true too, I think he believes that the playoff collapses are, are emphasized more than his playoff successes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part A. And you can argue that's fair or not. I believe that's his perception. To, to get to the answer, to answer your question, I think this is why Doc is less patient these days and insulting and condescending. I think that's one thing. The other thing is he's he believes, and I believe this to be relatively valid, he believes that some of the questioners question him with condescension and disdain. For example, um, when Howard Eskin asked him a question about, um, oh, what was it? Um, uh, was that the pop? Was that the pop uh, no, fiasco? This was recently. Um, well, whatever the question was, oh, about his, are you worried about your job? That's when yeah. he started talking about, I did a great, I do a great job, whatever, whatever. He called him Glenn. That's an right. insult. You know, that's disrespectful. And he does it all the time. So I don't think that that is the only reason he gets frustrated with that person in particular. But that's a mm -hmm. reason, you know. And the question was the question you never want to ask any coach. Do you think you're going to get fired? You know, so that was kind of a perfect storm. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the other stuff, a lot of the other reasoning is he deals with sort of the same group of reporters every day, which every coach does. But I believe he believes that they don't respect him the way that they should. And it's sort of the same two or three guys who push his buttons occasionally. And, you know, he went off on me one time. I suggested that he either not start Ben Simmons in game seven against the Hawks uh, two seasons ago or bench someone else, but have Tyrese Maxey start alongside Ben Simmons. And he, he jumped on me, and I don't have any real history with Pop, and I thought I asked, asked the question respectfully, but this was the right. second time in that series that Ben Simmons' role had been questioned, and Doc's clear agenda was to do everything he could to support Ben Simmons, despite Ben Simmons' obvious shortcomings. 
earlier in that series, you might remember, he was asked the same thing by Kyle Newbeck and D. Lynham. And that's when, you know, you don't know basketball if you don't want me to play Ben Simmons, which was not the question. The question was, you know, do you think that you need, if they do hack a Ben, do you, do you yes. sit him? And sure. And he did that the next game, did he not? That's <laughs> and then, you know, the game seven against the Hawks, um, he says, there's no way I'm going to start in Tyrese Maxey. He's got shortcomings, whatever. Well, after that game, he went to his staff. He told me this personally. He went to his staff and said, we have to start Tyrese Maxey next year. It doesn't matter who we sit. Tyrese Maxey has to be in the game. At the, he has to be a starter. So, I mean, I think these are moments of, you know, frustration and weakness. But I also think they're um, moments of him sort of doing what he kind of thinks he has to do to defend his players or himself. And, you know, in defending himself, I in defending his players, I'll, I'll kind of give him a pass. But, you know, defending himself, he doesn't need to do that. And this this needs to be amplified, I think, a little bit as well. Doc usually gives spectacular answers and is very patient. These are these are the aberration. Yeah. And it, by contrast, they look worse. I mean, if you want to go deal with Rick Carlisle and Greg Popovich for a couple of seasons and come back to me and talk about <laughs> <laughs> being you know difficult to deal with go ahead every time you ask a question to greg popovich there's a yeah you're not getting an answer well and there's a chance he's going to be condescending and insult you yep. and that i think is the uh one of the issues with him and uh the, you know would you would you ask pop that question well no you wouldn't because you know pop would you know put his boot up your butt right yeah no listen it, it's it's more than fair uh and and i've always viewed uh, Coach Rivers is very well spoken and smart and personable, and that was, you know, just a few of the reasons why I love the hire originally. And I think he is frustrating at times, just as what he does and doesn't do uh, in the games as as a head coach of this Sixers team. But I also look at the Sixers team, and I look at, and this is, we'll, we'll wrap up with this one or two more, Marcus. I appreciate your time here this morning. Um, you know, I, I look at the roster. The various roster iterations uh, over the years. I look at the coach turnover from Brett Brown to Doc. I look at the front office changes from all the way back to Hinky to Colangelo uh, to Brett Brown to Elton Brand to Daryl Morey. Uh, you look at Joel Embiid's constant injuries and history of injuries, particularly in the playoffs at times. James Harden not getting any younger. Um, you know, fans are frustrated, but what should we have expected this season? I'm not saying this result is okay, uh, but I, I guess I just want your thoughts on everything I just rambled about and where this team slash organization goes from here to try and get a championship. Well, if you do the do, do the research uh, about like big moves in the at the trade deadline, they never pan out. Tobias Harris was a big move in 2018-19 who joined the team, and the team was imperfect because Tobias Harris joined it, and they changed their DNA in the playoffs. They changed their DNA to make Jimmy Butler the primary ball handler. So I said that to say you can't tell much from this year's team because they had 25 games and four practices before the postseason, and then they had five practices heading into the postseason to sort of get right with a new point guard who didn't know the system and didn't know his players and isn't a great point guard per se. He's a great player, but not a great point guard. Um, so, and the front end of it, as far as this season goes, 
as as much as you can blame Carson Wentz for the 2020, I guess, uh, Eagles season, you can blame Ben Simmons way more for the 2021-2022 Sixers season. But he can show up. He's a $33 million hole. And he's the point guard. And he's the best perimeter defender. I'll put it to you this way. If Joel Embiid hadn't showed up, we wouldn't be quite as harsh on Doc. Well, Ben Simmons is more important than Joel Embiid because he touches the ball more and he plays more minutes. I mean, he might not score as much. He might not be a shot blocker, but they were one in 1A. So you took away, you know, 35%. If Joel Embiid is 35% of the team, you took away 35% of the team and he got you into the playoffs with a, with a replacement player who was injured and old. So, so to answer your question, what can you expect? I think you can expect an improved version of what you have. I mean, every year we've seen Joel Embiid get better and more professional. If he gets better and more professional again, you'll have a a better Joel Embiid. The last two seasons, according to Harden, his hamstring has hindered him. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that matters. But I think he understands now, and I think he's finally in a place where he doesn't have to be Houston James Harden, and that remains a very good player. Tyrese Maxey might be the most improved player from, you know, from 2021 to 2022. If he improves again, you've got an all-star. Tobias Harris is playing the best basketball of his career. If they don't trade him, you've got a really, really good player. You know, mm-hmm. so you've got four really good players. And if you add Matisse Thibel with a three-point shot, you got a very good team. you got a team that can play with and beat anybody. And, you know, I know the bench isn't great right now, but that's, you know, the bench, you know, P.J. Tucker wasn't, a, wasn't on the Miami Heat last year or last year at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. They signed him for two years and $15 million. He's the reason they won that series. God bless Jimmy Butler. But P.J. Tucker is the reason they won the series. And he's 36, 37 years old. So you can buy a bench. You can buy backup players. You can buy, you know, Victor Oladipo was, you know, got for nothing. They let him rehab. And he cooks everybody in the playoffs now. Amazing. So, you know, really good players are available to fill out your bench. And that's on Daryl Morey. But that said, you know, you've got a starting five that I just mentioned that's a really good starting five. And there's no reason that this team can't be a one, two, or three seed next year. There's no reason with Joel Embiid maybe understanding more what it takes to win in the playoffs and Tyrese Maxey understanding more and Matisse Thibel understanding more. There's no reason they can't take a step forward and be an Eastern Conference Finals team, especially considering, you know, the other teams, the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Heat. They're, you know, they're not perfect teams. You know, I don't think you'd have picked the Bucks to lose to the Celtics, you know, if, if we were talking about this in uh, February. But if you subtract Middleton, they're not the same team. So all that said, you know, there's plenty to be optimistic about with the Sixers. And I know it's optimistic to be – it's hard to be optimistic within a week of them sort of giving away a series to Miami. But they have a good core. They have a good coach. And they have an accomplished general manager. There's no reason to to abandon them, I don't think, Ryan. We'll we'll end on this, Marcus. Uh, Do you believe – just you know i there's no way that you can know this for sure and if you did know it i'm sure there's no way you could share it but uh do you believe the sixers will try and add a third star sixers being daryl Morey. last question um i'm not sure i understand the question i mean tyrese 
Tyrese Maxey, I think is their third star. I don't. Think- I I agree with that. I That's fair. Want- I didn't mean to disrespect Tyrese, but well, you, I, what I meant, you know, are they going to go out and try and you know trade Tobias or? Yeah, I, I don't. Know. I think they might try, and I think that would be a mistake because you have. I, I like Tobias Harris. I think he's a good player and a good teammate, and I think he'd be as valuable on both ends of the court as anybody you'd replace him with for the for the money. So. Um, but no, I think they probably will try to do it, and I, I would be—I would—I'll put it to you this way: I would be more surprised if they didn't do it than if they yeah. did. Um, but again, I'm not a huge fan of the Daryl Morey uh, process. I, I think mm-hmm. that he relies on analytics and ignores chemistry. And if Tobias Harris comes back, he's a—he's a huge chemistry guy. He takes a lot of the heat off uh, Harden and Embiid who are not leaders. You know, they're not the kind of people that you want leading your team. Tobias Harris is, and that's a that's a that's an an evolution of Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris probably wasn't 2 years ago, but with Ben gone, he is now. Marcus Hayes always dropping knowledge, always uh having some fun here uh when I catch up with him. Give him a follow at Inkstain Wretch, columnist Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, talking Phillies, talking 76ers here on this Tuesday morning. All right, we've wasted enough of your time, man. I appreciate you. Uh, always willing to spend some time. We'll catch up in the near future. Thanks, Ryan. I'll talk to you later. Uh, great stuff there from Marcus. I appreciate his time. He is a busy fella. Uh, he has a new article that was out in the Inquirer today that I read. It was excellent talking about the 76ers. Uh, make sure you check out all of his work, and you can find it by giving him a follow at Ink Stained Wretch on Twitter, as I mentioned to start the show. Uh, I appreciate Marcus. Hopefully, I'll get him on you know, maybe a little bit closer to September uh, as we gear up, you know, late in August for Eagles Week One. We'll, we'll catch up with Marcus here again in the coming months. Make sure you are following me on Twitter at WiseRye, W I S E R Y E. Follow the show, subscribe to the show, available on all of your podcast platforms. Great start to the week here on the CityCast with Will Hill, now Marcus Hayes, uh, and we have plenty more to dissect and cover throughout the week. So join us on the ride. Until then, best of luck on all of your bets. Enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your night, and I'll see you on the next episode right here on the Philadelphia CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Peace. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the entire baseball season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.